Hey there, architecture enthusiast. Nikita Reed here, inviting you on an incredible journey through time and space with my podcast, Tangible Remnants. Historic preservation and sustainability? Let's go ahead right now and debunk the myth that they are opposites. In fact, they are two sides of the same coin, shaping our collective future. In a work environment, it has been challenging because I've had to probably do more than double just to make sure that I quote unquote fit in. But the environments that have allowed me to do me on the front end, I've been extremely successful. You look at all these PhDs, they've built that on the backs of our elders. Absolutely. What they consider themselves to be experts at is what they've worked with us to achieve. I know we have to. We have to prioritize people before products and before place. Join me as we unravel the stories of historic buildings shaped by the people of a specific era and often influenced by race and gender. These tangible remnants are windows into our past and guideposts for the future. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe now to Tangible Remnants. Let's explore the interconnectedness of architecture, preservation, sustainability, race, and gender. Konnichiwa. <laughs> I feel so weird saying it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yep. I feel like it's so overused that I feel like cliche saying, do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, but if it's hello, it's hello. It yeah. hello yeah. Just channel your inner Japanese person, you know, like pretend okay. you're there. Because I feel like if we were in Japan, we wouldn't feel that way. Konnichiwa, Yokoso to She Builds podcast, where we share stories about women in the design and construction field, one lady at a time. Like we mentioned, this season we're going internationaru. All the ladies of our second season will be from all over the globe. On today's episode, we will talk about Nobuko Tsura, who was the first woman architect in Japan. I'm Lizzie Rar, coming to you from San Francisco, where I just signed off of a virtual baby sprinkle, and I'm joined by my fellow co-hosts, Nergiti and Jessica. I'm Nergiti Rivas. I also just attended a Zoom baby sprinkle from my living room in Houston, Texas. And I'm Jessica Rogers, and I also just logged off of a virtual baby sprinkle, and I'm based out of Washington, D.C. Before we start, Congratulations to the Car Bloom family. And now our quick disclaimer. The three of us are not historians, nor are we experts on this subject. We're just sharing stories about the information that we find about each woman. If we get our facts a little mixed up, please forgive us. Leave us a comment and we will all continue learning. All right, let's do this. Ikoyo. <laughs> all right. So today we're going to talk about Nobuko Tsuyura, who is considered Japan's first female architect. Yeah, bye. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so Nobuko Yoshino was born in the Hongo district in Tokyo in 1900. Her father, Sakuzo Yoshino, was a political scientist professor at the Tokyo Imperial University. Apparently, Nobuko met her husband, Kameki Tsura, through her father. Kameki was a student of architecture at the Tokyo Imperial University. 
architecture couple, cute. Chocolate, super cute. Right? All right. So, ladies, do you know what Starkitect was hanging around Tokyo around 1920? He's probably the most commonly known architect in the U.S. Corbu? That's a good guess, but I'm going to vote Frank Lloyd Wright. Yep. It was our boy Frank. So, Frank was working on the Imperial Hotel in Tokyo, and an architect named Arata Endo was working with Frank on the construction of the project. And he went to his alma mater, the Imperial University, to recruit students to be draftsmen for the hotel project. And he chose Kameki to be part of this group in 1921. Sugoi. Right? So a lot of what I read notes that Nobuko was also a draftsperson on this project or that she was an apprentice to Frank with her husband on this project. But I couldn't find anything about where she went to school, even a normal school, which was more common for women. But I do know that women were not allowed at the Tokyo Imperial University at that time. Wait, I thought you said that she went to the Imperial University. No, she said her father taught there and that's where she met her husband. Oh, yeah. Okay, so we don't know if she went to university. Do you know who was the first woman to graduate from a university in Japan? Yes, that was actually Chika Kuroda, a chemist who graduated in 1916. Yeah, Chika! Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) So, Frank had been in Tokyo since 1918 overseeing the construction of the hotel. But in 1922, he felt that he could leave the supervision to Arata Endo, and he went back to the U.S. The project was completed 11 months later, and not long after he left, Kameki and Nobuko followed him to the U.S. to train and apprentice at his studio. Ooh, nice. Yeah, that's pretty brave. Yeah, they were clearly determined. They worked for Frank for three years, both in L.A. and at Taliesin in Wisconsin. They trained with others who would become well-known architects like Richard Neutra, who we mentioned a few weeks ago. (gasps) Richard's Desert House was the first project I had to study in school. And I loved it ever since. Nice. That's so cool that she trained with Frank and alongside Richard. Yeah. Yeah. She was learning alongside legends. For sure. So Nobuko helped develop perspectives for various projects, and she was in charge of Frank's art collection. She was also part of the construction of Frank's textile block houses that he did in California, like the Millard House or La Miniatura in Pasadena. So textile blocks are cement blocks that are molded with a pattern into them, and Frank built four of these homes in the L.A. area during the years that Nobuko worked with them. Omoshiroi. Oh, my. All right. So do either of you watch Westworld? No, not really. Oh, man. Okay. well, for any listeners that do, (laughs) the Millard house is actually where they filmed Arnold's house in seasons two and three. Oh, cool. Yeah. So in 1926, the Tsuras returned to Tokyo and they worked with a Czechoslovak architect, Bedrick Furestein. In 1929, on two competitions, the Saito Kaiken Cultural Center in Sendai and the Chikatetsu Building in Tokyo. For the Chikatetsu Building, Nobuko was the main project architect for the design, and she did everything from the general plans to the window detailing. 
The project was sadly never built, but they did win the 200 yen award for it. Wow. At least they got recognized while they were able to reap the benefits for it. This must have moved her career forward. I think it did. In 1933, the Tsuyuras opened up their own architecture firm, which made Nobuko the first female architect in Japan. Yeah, you go, woman. Yeah, Suzuki. So their firm was primarily a residential firm, and they completed about 20 private homes during the early 30s, including their own house in 1935 in Tokyo, which is one of their most well-known projects. They were definitely influenced by their experiences with Frank, when they return to Japan, you can also see influence from European modernism in the Bauhaus. So their home in Tokyo was white stacked masses reminiscent of Le Corbusier and other modern European architects. But there's also influences of Frank with deep eaves and a double height central living space with a full window wall. Sounds gorgeous. Yeah, it sounds really pretty. Yeah, we'll include photos in the show notes. But apparently Frank was not a fan. He wrote to them saying, you have gone over with Richard Neutra to the gas pipe <gasps> rail and damper style. I am sorry to see the poverty of imagination in you. <laughs> Hater. Oh, the drama. Frank sounds jealous of his protege's success. Makegumi. Right? Like, let the people do their thing, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whatever. He was making really uncomfortable houses anyway. So what does he know? Right? This is true. The house is located in Tokyo's Meguro district, and it has been well-maintained by the current owner, but I don't believe it's open to the public. It was designated an important cultural property of Tokyo in 1995, though. Oh, that's legit. Oh, man. Yeah. I would like to visit, though. I know. But there are some good photos of it. Okay. So with their residential work, they tried to adapt what they had learned from Frank in the U.S. to Japan's climate and local materials to be more efficient and more standardized. Rather than the textile blocks from L.A., they opted for wood framing and drywall, and they tried various insulation types. Smart. Yeah, I'm sure that what they learned probably didn't translate well enough for them to build in Japan. So they took what they learned and made it work for them and their clients. Exactly. So other projects she worked on were the Yanai House, Owaki House, Nubia Building, Hotel Gora, Ginza Shinepatusu, and Asahi House, which was designed solely by Nobuko. A lot of these projects have sadly been demolished. Ah, uh, yabai. Ooh. Yeah. It was said that because their designs were so different from the traditional type of houses in Japan, they essentially required a different lifestyle. So their clients were mainly a very niche group of Japanese people who had studied or lived abroad and wanted to live in modern Japanese homes. Cool. Interesting. Yeah. So with that in mind, Nobuko was really interested in the way that people use their buildings and designs. So she became more focused on interior design. And apparently she became somewhat of a celebrity and she was in several lifestyle publications to promote a new approach for a new lifestyle that went along with these houses. She pushed for certain improvements in the home design through modern amenities like water supply and heating and argued that women could be modern homemakers and wouldn't need to hire anyone to help with housework. It's like Marie Kondo before Marie Kondo. <laughs> Marie Kondo Architecture Edition. <laughs> this is very fascinating. 
And it must have been very progressive of Nobuko for her time. Yeah, I think so. They also worked on some furniture design, including reclining chairs that had bent tubular steel that are reminiscent of Alto's bent wood furniture. And I'll add a photo in the show notes. Ooh. Ooh, indeed. Yeah. So in 1937, Nobuko stopped working on architecture and founded the Ladies Photo Club, where she focused on photography and abstract art. The article I found mentioned that photography was considered a more suitable profession for a woman than construction at the time, but it also didn't outright say that that was the reason that she moved from architecture to photography. So I'm kind of unclear about that if she was just interested in it or if it was kind of like a societal push for that. Hmm. I wonder if maybe she was just looking for some sort of camaraderie with women and perhaps knowing this about the profession. That's why she founded the group. Yeah. I really hope Nobuku was just looking for a little change and to channel other creative pursuits. Yeah. Yeah. So she and Kameki went to China during World War II, and she published photographs taken there through her photo club. When they returned to Japan after the war, she resumed practice in architecture. And actually, in 1953, she hired the first woman to graduate in architecture, Nobuko Ogawa. Yay, she returned to architecture. Yeah. And Nobuko Ogawa sounds like a future carotid alert. (laughs) Also, I'm going to add Nobuko to my list of baby names. (laughs) I love how she brought more women into the field. Yeah. So after that, there isn't much that I could find about her later work in architecture or in life. I know that she passed away in 1998, which was two years after Kameki. A lot of Nobuko's work was unsurprisingly credited solely to her husband. But in 2001, Nobuko Ogawa, who she hired, ended up writing a book titled Big Little Knob, which was about Nobuko's life. They have a copy at the IAWA, but sadly it is in Japanese, so I was not able to read it. But if anyone reads Japanese and you want to take a trip to the IAWA, you can check it out. (laughs) Very cool. Yeah, that sounds like a good reason to learn Japanese. (laughs) Quarantine project, maybe? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that could be a good quarantine activity. So actually, Kameki and Nobuko's work was exhibited at the Open Air Architectural Museum located at Kogenai Park in Tokyo in 2014. And it showcased their work together as a couple, giving her as much credit as him. Nice. That's really, really great. Yeah, that's cute. Yeah. All right. So before we leave you, we have to tell you who our karyotid is for this week's episode. Jessica, can you remind us what a karyotid is? Hi. All right. So for some background, a karyotid is a stone carving of a woman used as a column or a pillar to support the structure of a Greek or Greek style building. Each episode will choose a karyotid, a woman who is working today, furthering the profession through her work and who ties into the historical woman of our episode. All right. Without further ado, this week's karyotid is... Momoyo Kaijima. Wee! Yay! Komoyo! Komoyo! Okay. 
So Momoyo Kaijima is the founder of Atelier Bow Wow in Japan. She noted that she was always interested in houses growing up and wanted to be an architect. She graduated from the Japan Women's University in 1991, and in 1992, she started Atelier Bow Wow with Yoshiharu Tsukamoto. Then, in 1994, she received a postgraduate degree from the Tokyo Institute of Technology. Their firm is particularly known for some of its architectural theories, like behaviorology and understanding how spaces are utilized in daily life. Otsukare, can you guys imagine starting your own firm a year out of school? I feel like you gotta be crazy talented, courageous, determined, insert more adjectives here <laughs> to do that. <laughs> I'm so impressed right now. Yeah, I know that after college, I definitely didn't feel prepared to start my own firm. And that's、no. so cool. And like, come on, Atelier Bow Wow, that's iconic. Yeah. yeah, I know. It's super brave. So, their focus on behavior reminded me of how Nobuko became an advocate of this new modern lifestyle through studying how her clients would interact with spaces and trying to make them more efficient.、Um, it's a very modern way of thinking, and it's actually still very relevant today. And I can see the connection. I'm picking up what you're putting down, Lizzie. Yeah. So, Atelier Bow Wow takes it beyond the level Nobuko did. And looks at many different factors of behavior. To them, behavior can include human behavior inside and outside of a building, but also environmental factors like light, air, heat, wind, and water, as well as a building's behavior to its surroundings. They look at the functional relationship between these elements to inform their design. It's so cool how architecture can be a big experiment. Yeah. We're like scientists of space. <laughs> Conducting design experiments, developing theories through buildings and interior spaces. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Before we say sayonara, we have to say a special arigatu to Ryoko, Robert, and David for helping us out with our Japanese. And arigatu to CMYK for the music, John W., our technical producer, and most of all, domo arigatu for listening. We hope you enjoyed learning about Nobuko and Momoyo along with our banter and that you are inspired to find out more about them and other amazing professional ladies. Again, arigato. Please let us know what you thought of our episode and our season. If you've enjoyed it, please help us spread the word. Tell your tomodachi, your neighbors, your co workers, your family members, people in your message boards. Give us five stars on iTunes. Write us a review. This will all help us reach a wider audience and for more people to learn about these amazing ladies with us. We're excited to hear from you and for you to come back and keep learning about women bosses with us. You can email us your thoughts at shebuildspodcast at gmail.com, leave a comment on our website, shebuildspodcast.com, or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at shebuildspodcast and on Twitter at shebuildspod. Sayonara! 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 Sugoi. Right? Wait, what does that one mean again? <laughs> I don't remember. Something good. Okay, but me Maybe, saying right don't is say a good、right. response. Like, <laughs> if you want, just don't say right. Just be like, uh huh. Yeah, huh?
I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.